0: In this episode of the Sweden Women Art Talks podcast, I feature Vanessa German. Based in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, she is a self-taught citizen artist working across sculpture, performance, communal rituals, immersive installation, and photography in order to repair and reshape disrupted systems, spaces, and connections. A visual storyteller, she utilizes assemblage and mixed media combining locally found objects to build protective ritualistic structures known as her power figures or tar babies. Modeled on Congolese and Kisi sculptures and drawn on folk art practices, they are embellished with materials including beading, glass, fabric, and sculptured wood and come into existence at the axis on which Black power, spirituality, mysticism, and feminism converge. Welcome and enjoy this episode featuring Vanessa German. Vanessa, welcome to my Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. I am excited to feature you today. Thank you. I'm looking forward to our conversation. Thanks for having me. Sure, sure. Let's start with you sharing with listeners, when did you discover your artistic passion?
1: I remember feeling something that resonates with me now as an adult, as passion. Before I had a lot of language, I used to do this thing in the car on these long car rides in Los Angeles, where I would put a pencil, a sharpened pencil against a blank piece of paper and just let the movement of my body in the car determine the marks that were made. And I remember being overjoyed at like it having this sensation that was like almost like ecstasy and being so amazed at the transformation of the piece of paper by the marks made by the feeling of my body in this vehicle. And so from the time I was really young, I would have these deeply connected kind of ecstatic experiences with transforming materials and objects. And it would always be able to even have the power to change my mood if I thought about making something, if I thought about what was possible to color or to draw. And I remember Those things from before, I had a lot of
0: language. Do you recall if there was a particular person or artist who influenced the early years of your practice? Before I had any
1: part of my life that I would call a practice, we were always making things. My mother was a maker, an artist. My mother was a fiber artist. So what she was most known for and recognized for was being a quilt maker. But my mother was also a writer. She was a poet and an illustrator. And she raised us to be makers. She raised us to be artists. She raised us to look at the world and to consider our time and the material things that we're with in the world, she raised us to consider those you know, like deeply in our lives and not just sort of as like arts and crafts or a hobby. So my mother made us, like my mother was the person who made a very direct vital connection between um, our creative capacity as human beings and how we live our lives and that's nothing that exists in a formal way like but it is a, a way that my mother taught us how to be alive to be to be alive like deeply imaginatively from a generative creative place so that's truly my mother is responsible for making that connection a place of great soulful truth for my whole life. That's how I'm alive. Um, so it's not like a single artist inspiring a certain way, but it is that I have known for since I've known language that this is how you are alive.
0: It's great that you are able to acknowledge the wonderful ways your mother impacted you. How would you define your practice?
1: I would say that I have a practice that is committed uh, soulfully to wholeness. So wholeness, bringing all of my dimensions as a human being into um, every part of my whole life and every part of my creative life. Um, And as so... Deeply informative to understanding anything about my artistic practice is that I do not separate it Mm -hmm. from any other place of truth or, or recognition of that, which is the yes of my entire life. So there's no, I don't exist in a place of separation with that and creatively actively in the material, um, in the sort of material transformation realm, Since I'm a sculptor and a builder, um, I would describe my practice as ancient and brand new simultaneously, a practice that is like deeply connected to places of power and magic and present purpose. So using the work to do something presently purposeful. Are memories reflected in your work? So there are memories that reflect and refract and bounce around through a strata in my work. There are times that I am like making an artwork. There have been times that I've made artwork to change the future. And so I sort of switch my positioning, like my perspective as the maker of an artwork that is alive and awake in the future. And I sort of project back the memories, the future memories of that. And then there are ways that the things, the stories that my grandmother told me about being a domestic worker growing up in the back dam of Louisiana. So there are ways that my grandmother's memories are alive, definitely um, in the invisible ingredients and the places where the work is getting its um, and tapping into its power, like what we want the work to do. Um, memory is a big part of informing the, that intentionality
0: in the inside ingredients of the work. Interesting. What what overcomes you when you, you start a new creation? Some things that can
1: overcome me are just external things. If I have um, have a very tight deadline and I have people externally asking me for a lot of things Um, that that's overwhelming because it's hard to pull center in the studio when there's a lot of grasping on the doors outside of the studio Uh, overwhelms me is always in the first piece of a new body of work. I've learned to let myself go through whatever process I have to go through to Get through the first piece. And so sometimes that's like reaching back to the last work from the last body of work and looking at earlier works and seeing what's inspiring me in the world and just kind of having an everything cookie of an experience and a process for the first piece in a new body of work, because that has been the time that has been in the past so overwhelming and scary is starting something new, like starting the new thing, working through um, fears and insecurities and just being um, sometimes overwhelmed by the world. So I learned to, you know, meet that sort of sense of overwhelm with a great welcome and say, yes, this is overwhelming. Yes, there are a lot of choices to be made. Yes, it is hard to find the time and just sort of to welcome that overwhelming onslaught for the first piece. And that first piece in A New Body of Work does a great service for the work that
0: comes after it. And and what passion do you find with that first piece?
1: The first piece is um, sort of like, Returning, you know, if I have been away from making, you know, doing, because I work in communities of figures, so they're not single discrete things. So when I'm making, you know, doing a body of work, it is really important to be able to listen to what is coming up, what is true in that time, in the beginning of that new body of work. So there is a place where that first piece brings me into the frequency of listening that I have to inhabit to bring about the rest of the work. But it's such a process of like removing static, removing the static of insecurity, removing the dissonance of the fear of something that happened before. And it's, so it's like this sort of crunchy process of like tuning the frequency of my artistic soul to the voice of the new body of work that's coming. So that first piece is always a lot heavier. Sometimes it's a lot physically heavier than other work because it's carrying a lot more. Do you listen to music while you work? I mostly listen to audiobooks. I've listened to people's voices. Um, When I do listen to music, I can listen to the same song for 17 hours.
0: (laughs) I love that. And how do you keep learning, Vanessa?
1: That's all that there is. (laughs) You're either doing it or you're actively resisting it. Otherwise, it's completely natural. It's the actual most natural state of your being. So you have to work hard to not continue to learn. That actually is something that is the world that we live in is very good at helping people do to actually form places of rigidity to resist that, which is most natural, which is to be in a constant state of learning. I'm really childish and I'm sort of naive in a lot of ways, which opens, like I have an open place in both my heart and in my mind. And I'm eager to, I'm so like being human, then on the earth, is a very interesting and fascinating thing. And so I allow myself to be fascinated and I'm deeply moved by beauty and wonder and love. I'm like an incredibly romantic person. So that means there's a great romance and always learning, right? Because that's such a pure relationship, whether you're learning from another human being or whether you're learning from nature, there's a, a great beauty and a great purity in the clarity of like, Here's this information I'm sharing, or that exchange. So I, it's always everywhere. So there are times I will specifically go to watch YouTube videos of certain artists talk, or I listen to Tony Morrison's voice, because there's so much more information inside of the sound of people's voices. So there are times that's why I listen to audiobooks when I'm working, because people's voices are an entire orchestra all the time. There's so much happening that I sort of train myself to listen to all the secret
0: things, too. Do you feel Black art can be defined?
1: I, th- I think about the question that comes before Black art being defined. So that's like a middle question to me. There, for me, a, a question that um, precedes it is about the Black soul, um, because this end is something <laughs> that I you know because i feel like there's a a feeling to the black soul and that feeling is alive in and has resonance in the art that black folks create and there is something to me about the question is like, what is it about the black soul at this time and at this place? And can we identify, can we give, do we dare to give language about the technology of the black soul? Can we do that? Because if we do that, then we can look at black art and we can say it is of this technology and we can define it in a certain way. So I think one, for one answer is, People do whatever. People have been defining Black art and they do it. I would, I'm interested in the nature of the Black soul and what that means about the particular technology that exists inside of Blackness at this time and at this place. And then identifying that technology, we could speak to
0: its capacities. Thank you. I really appreciate your sculptures. What materials do you use? I use... Um,
1: and my internal structures are still sometimes work with a fabricator, and to give a sense of weightlessness to very large sculptures, internal is steel, smaller works, internal is wood, then building out, um, just almost like building materials that you would use in home construction, and The assemblage materials, so I think about the body of the sculpture, like the human body. So there's the DNA of the whole thing. There's the skeletal structure. There's muscle, tendon, flesh, and then adornment, which is skin and the things that we put on top of that. So talking from the inside out is what I'm doing right now. So I use a lot of cotton. I use a lot of old sheets as the skin of the sculptures that I use. A lot of old, like I try to find 100% cotton sheets, Um, because it's cotton and I will use a lot of, um, I use a lot of glass bottles in my work. I find a lot of glass bottles. I use a lot of objects that people, um, that are part of people's everyday ordinary experience from spoons to keys, cups, eyeglasses, shoes, bras, underwear, Um, a lot of these objects that you find in the home, objects that we have really sort of um, really rigidly defined uh, mainstream uses for. And then I give every object its life language and a dimension of past, present, and future and political, cultural, and spiritual for every single object in the work. So I use material that asks me to use it. I use material that... um, that I can find in accumulation. So I will use a lot of something. I'm never gonna use just one bottle. There's probably gonna be 700 bottles. I'm looking for the aesthetic arrest, the, for the high tide of materials. And so I'm working in the ordinary and in the accumulation of the ordinary.
0: You know, if I visualize your performances, I see this beautiful, rich blue. When did you fall in love with that color and did you?
1: There came a period of time when I began to awaken for to awaken to the sharpness of a certain vibration of blue that I realized I wouldn't be able to just find that color anywhere. I would have to keep attuning myself to it as I came across it. And so there must have been I don't know, 10, 12 years in my life where I would, you know, be traveling around and see this electric blue color that would sort of shock and ripple through me and like make my tongue swell a little bit and, and the color would pass and those occasions would increase, increase, increase until I actually heard a story about a man who played the blues talking to a reporter about the color blue. And I think he said it was this electric lightning blue. And when he said that, I knew what that color was. And then I, so it's like I came into relationship with the color and do I love the color? I feel like the color is alive. I feel like the color in and of itself is my actual ancestors. So it's like more than... Any way that I have ever would express love because it seems very fundamental being with that color. So, that color to me is history. It is living history. It is my ancestors. It is the miracle of the earth. It is the perfection of water in all of its forms. It is the power of tears. It's not reflecting those things. It's not. You know, weighing them, it is the thing itself.
0: That's what that is for me. It's a beautiful. When you're working, do you think about who your audience is? Um, I try
1: not to. I try not to think about audience. I try to experience purpose. I try to experience uh, human beings meeting a place of connection in any proximity, in any visibility of the work. So I apply that across human beings, encountering artwork, not any specific audience, but if anything, it is the audience of the soul. Um, What are you excited about now? I'm excited to make new work. I fell down the stairs yesterday and hurt my shoulder And they told me to just rest today. So I've literally been sitting in one chair thinking about what I would be doing if I could go to my studio. I'm really excited to work. And in a few minutes, I go to meet the fabricator, a new person.
0: So I'm I'm excited about that. That's great. I hope your shoulder feels better. Thank you. Uh, What do you feel is the purpose of art? I
1: feel like as human beings, We have ways that we are alive and every way that a human being is alive meets a grand tributary of every human being who is alive. And it requires the fullness and wholeness of the way that you are alive to make all life be. So the purpose I feel For art is a way to, and this is like on a grand scale, is the way that as human beings, we are actually able to bear being so emotionally embodied in our humanness. I believe it is actually art that is the great current and the great capacity bearer for human beingness. Um, and that is the role that artists have, that is, before you know material or geographic specificity. It's that we actually create the air of the ecosystem that allows us to stay within our humanness without um, annihilating each other utterly. And so I believe that the role of artists is which I can, they can then apply to what is the role of art. The role of artists is to be full, to be full, to be full of yourself, to be full of your creativity, to be full of your capacity, to be full inside of your courage, to be full of it so that you can give so that you can experience in, in yourself the fullness of your your human capacity through the way that you are alive, which is as an artist, as a creative
0: person. Yeah, I've enjoyed this conversation, and this is the last question and that is, what do you feel is your role as an artist?
1: My role as an artist is to be deeply loving and honorable to myself, to be accepting of myself. So there's like the internal rules that I have as an artist to the artist that I am. And that internal role is to be deeply, um, deeply loving, loving enough to give me the strength of breath, to be courageous enough to bring certain ideas forward. And my role as an artist is also to be um, inside of, cause for, so for me, I, one of the reasons I identify myself as a citizen artist is because that is the way in which I experience any issue that impacts me or my loved ones in the world, having the ability to be met with justice and to be healed is through art and through creativity. So there's a place that I give myself a role of service as an artist. And so that's services inside of making power figures that are at the scale of, of like communal healing and at the scale of riotous, radical love that touches. So there's a role that I give myself as an artist that is a role of service.
0: Well, thank you so much for all you do and sharing your creativity with us.
1: Thank you so much for having me in this conversation. I appreciate it. and had a good time. I hope that you have a great, safe, healthy weekend. Thank you. You too.
0: Thank you for listening to Cerebral Women Art Talks Podcast. For additional content, please visit CerebralWomen.com and be sure to follow Cerebral Women on Instagram.